two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes. Even an interview with the most powerful folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode just saying enough. Get a little laughter and an interview too. and welcome to police off the cuff real crime stories i'm your host bill cannon i'm a 27 year veteran of the nypd retired and with me tonight is my co-host straight out of brooklyn retired nypd detective phil grimaldi how you doing tonight phil i'm doing pretty good billy and i'm very excited because we it's christmas week and i got my two paisans from brooklyn i'm ready to start singing dominic the donkey at this point i swear <laughs> to god it's, you know <laughs> it's about to flow out of my mouth King of the chin, you, it's dominic <laughs> the donkey. you know I, i'm a little nervous me not being from brooklyn being surrounded by three guys from brooklyn i don't know if I should have had an interpreter come in and nah, you're good. You're tell me helpful. the you're meaning right. of some of these Brooklyn uh, sayings, you know. But let me introduce our guest, another from uh, <laughs> from another part of Brooklyn, Jimmy Calandra. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here with you guys. It's great to have you, and of course, retired NYPD first grade detective, also straight out of Brooklyn, Tommy Dades. How you doing tonight, Tommy? Well, thank you for having me. Now, let what me ask you something. He's wearing, yeah, he's wearing a Brooklyn shirt. That's you it, know? my man. I don't know. Did they get them in like the Brooklyn equipment section like we had on the PD? <laughs> yeah. You get a Brooklyn shirt. You get a nice Louisville slugger baseball bat, gold chain, a bottle of cologne. And if you're with the Sinatra, they throw your CD ahead. Hey, Philly, remember those Italian horns they used to hang hanging hang yeah, from the no, mirror? Remember that shit? <laughs> I go to a Salamaria over here. They sell them in there, Billy. I swear to God. And if you unscrew it, the little hunchback's in there. That's the real deal. Let me ask you something. Is Satrial's really in your neighborhood? No, that's not near me. Oh, that's that was just that was just in the Sopranos. That was an imaginary pork store. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there's a real one right where they filmed that in Jersey, like down the block. So, it, like where the D. Cavalcanti family on that. So it was so close to the truth. So Satrials is a real place, then. It's there's another place. They they made that you up. Want to sign up on there, Tom? Place, yeah. Okay. A, it really exists right there. Yeah, Tommy, you, know, you could probably turn up your volume a little on your mic or get a little closer. You sound a little bit low. You know, Jimmy, I just wanted to uh, say there's a lot of people uh, of late. You know, I'm on YouTube all the time. There's a lot of people of late. Uh, they were from the criminal faction trying to start their own YouTube channels. What what's what what about that shit? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> well, you know, you guys been on YouTube. Listen, I love your intro. I really enjoy it. I mean, it's perfect for you guys. Uh, YouTube has become a freak show. <laughs> That's what YouTube is now. It's a freak show. It's a, uh, you know what. You could create lies on people. You smear people. 
And uh, this is what it, it is today. So, uh, you know, it's a, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you put yourself out there. You want to do the right thing. You want to tell your story. You want to tell the truth. Then you have these people that are nobodies. They want to attack you and create lies about you to make people not like you. Yeah, you know, but you got to ignore people like that because they just, they were wannabes that aren't real. You know, they're not the real thing, you know. People know who the real thing, you know, the real guys are, you know. Same thing on the police department. People who know knew who the real police were and they knew who the uh, the empty suits were too, you know. You know what? Uh, I'm glad you brought, brought that up, Billy, because in the police department, guys that were what I call super cops or real active cops, they never told you about all of the shit they did. Other people talked about it and they didn't have to brag. And then the brag is most of the time they were full of baloney, full of shit and plain English. Um, I think that uh, somebody like Jimmy comes on and, you know, he had what he had in the past life. And if he wants to tell a story and I mean, so far, everything I heard sounds legitimate to me. I mean, and we have uh, somebody that worked with Jimmy Tommy that, that could actually back up some of the, uh, you know, some of the stories that he's referenced over over time. But, you know, there's always going to be haters and jealousy. And there's an old saying, with success comes jealousy. So, you know, you're going to have the haters out there. But I think if you give them, uh, if you give them energy and you talk about them, uh, it's really just uh, defeating the whole purpose of what you're trying to do. A guy like Jimmy that pretty much leads a clean life now and he's trying to do something good and he wants to send out positive message and listen, talk about what happened in his life. I have no problem with that. And I don't think anybody else does. And, uh, you know, uh, there's going to be those people that, uh, you know, they're going to be jealous and they're going to say stuff. That's not true. You know, I was driving around today and I ran across these signs and I thought, I thought if I put them up, you guys might get all emotional, but, uh, who's Louis Leota. That might be somebody that died on nine 11. Usually they put the signs up when, uh, if it's somebody passed away from nine eleven, it's a possibility. Hey yeah. Jimmy, let me ask you something. You got a good, you got a good mobster Christmas story. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, we got to get into that. A, a Christmas story, I can tell you. I remember the banana Christmas parties where Frankie Lino would show up and uh, Sparrow and Frankie Porco, and I remember me and Paulie Galino buying uh, Anthony Sparrow and Frank Porco. Uh, what? Uh, what a Bed, what are they called when you come out of the shower? The uh, bathrobes. We bought them bathrobes and we stuck a thousand dollars a piece in the uh, pocket and we gave it to Sparrow and Frankie Porco at the time. But I remember Christmas time was a good time because even when you were a kid growing up, the guys always staked you on the corner, you know, Merry Christmas, whether it was a $50 bill, $100 bill. So uh, Christmas was very special on Beth Avenue growing up, you know? Everyone I'm inviting you to my next Christmas party. I swear <laughs> to God. And I do like bathrobes, Jim. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jimmy, I was going to say I could use a robe too. There's two pockets, one on the right and one on the left. Listen, you two guys deserve a new bathrobe each. With a thousand dollars each in the pocket. Thank you. And so, and so does Tommy Bates. <laughs> well, it, it's not easy getting this right. You know what I mean? I think Tommy might have uh, a Christmas story or two in all his many years in law enforcement. I know um, which one you want to hear. Yeah, come on, Tommy. Give it to us from start um, to finish. 
I mean, it's Christmas week. It might not be such a a, a fluffy story, but it's, it's a sad story. As a matter of okay. fact, you know, I mean, you ask me, do I recall anything that happened Christmas? I worked many a Christmas Eve and Christmas days in a squad, but um, I remember during the war, the Colombo War, um, a guy named Vincent Vassaro, who was a major D in Venus Two, the diner, and. Uh, his only mistake is that he was related to Wild Bill at the time. And there were three people shot like within two or three weeks of this homicide. And uh, I was in the 6-8 at the time, but we were on, we were on a detail with the FBI. And uh, I remember responding, as a matter of fact, with Inspector Lynch to Bay 11th Street. And... Uh, they drove by, they saw him, and uh, he was hanging Christmas lights or garland on the door. It was like early early December 1991, I believe. And uh, they shot him in the head and killed him. And the guy had just beat stomach cancer. And uh, he wasn't a gangster. He, I mean, you know, he was related to Billy. He'd go to the club. He was like, he took some action or whatever, but he wasn't involved in the war. And, uh, you know, it was just it was like a waste. They killed the guy for nothing, you know. Was that fallout from the war? From the, was the Colombo mob war? Right? I, I was, yeah, that was a, a mob. That was one of the murders in, during the war. And, uh, you know, I remember going there and I knew I knew Vinny. Before I was a cop, I knew Vinny. He was, he was no gangster. He played a gangster, half a gangster, but he was harmless. You know, he was totally harmless. Yeah, I guess that's not such a... F- Real nice Christmas story, but I, I tell you, I can remember being in the squad on Christmas Day, uh, maybe a few years before I retired, and uh, I didn't have any children at the time, and I worked to give guys with kids off, and uh, about 10 o'clock in the morning, a phone rang, we had an 18-year-old kid that uh, they, they were drinking and partying the night before, and uh, the kid downed a lot of vodka all at once, and uh, passed out, they put him face down in the bed, and the kid wound up, you know, choking to death on his own vomit, so that was not a very pleasant Christmas day. I mean, uh, are these are these day. Grimm's fairy tales you guys are telling? These are the most beautiful Christmas stories I think I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. It just <laughs> popped into my head. I could give you, you know what? I could change that and give you a happy Christmas story. I All right, Jimmy. I think happy, we need a happy one. I remember, I remember December of 1992, right before Christmas, we robbed the Staten Island Mall Bank. Me, Chris Passiello. <laughs> Fury, William Galloway, and Tommy Reynolds. We got almost a half a million dollars. And you know what? That Christmas was a good Christmas. I can only imagine. <laughs> well, what was the name of the bank? The Staten Island Mall Bank. I think it was. I'm the- dreaming <laughs> of the Staten Island Mall Bank, just like the ones I used to know. And, and when I where the safe is full and the security is not working. And the <laughs> and the tellers don't have any guns. I'm dreaming of the Staten Island Mall Bank. <laughs> I bet Jimmy dreams about that day too. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Look, at that time, I was uh, 23 years old, and to pull off something like that, that was a successful heist. So uh, yeah, it was a pretty good time for me. That sounds like a good score. Dana Carter Posse, thank you for the four ninety nine super chat. She says five dollars for Tommy to tell Christmas present story. It's funnier, you know that story, Tommy. 
<laughs> where, where, where these fans coming up with these stories and you don't know them. I, I, I think, just want to, I, I also want to mention duty Ron. Duty Ron, thank you for the $10 super chat. Everyone in Duty Ron's family is uh, COVID right now. Not everyone, but his wife and his son. We're wishing them a speedy recovery. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I think we're all going to get it in the next couple of months. You know, it's, it's, uh, even if you got vaccinated, I got, I got, I feel like a pincushion. I got stuck so many times in the past very month. Sad. Yeah, very scary. Yeah. But, uh, Duty Ron, we wish everyone gets uh, well very quickly and that, you're spared uh, getting it, you know. Absolutely, duty run, good man. I I think they heard the story about Jimmy with the bathrobe and the thousand dollars, and they're saying, "Tommy, you got any Christmas present stories?" That's what I think that was. Tom, you got any anything else Christmas related? Uh, narcotics. We were oh, narcotics. Yes. Okay. We were. We we would it was me and uh, John Masoni, and uh, we were in Manhattan South Narcotics, and we we wrapped uh, we, we we had a hundred thousand dollars in a suitcase, and we were the whole like the whole team was in the bar, but everybody was celebrating Christmas, and uh, the kilos were wrapped up as Christmas presents, so they. Like it was a bunch, I forget, was a bunch of Colombian guys, and they were like, I don't know, five, six kilos wrapped. They walked in like Merry Christmas, and we handed off, we handed off the money, and they handed off the bag to us. We walked out, and before they could get out, there were like ninety guys on top of them. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I guess uh, they didn't get to open up the presents and enjoy the hundred grand. No. <laughs> These are all beautiful Christmas stories. I got to tell a quick Christmas story. This is 100% truth, too. A month before I went on the police department, it was December 15th, 1984. I lived in Stuyvesant Town on Avenue A, right off of Avenue A and B. And uh, my roommate's girlfriend uh, was shopping with his kids over by Avenue B, and she came in, and some savage followed her into the elevator. And uh, on the elevator, he pulled a gun on her and he said, uh, give me your money. And she goes, here, here's $500 and a gold chain. Just leave me alone. He goes, no, baby, we're going up to your apartment, right? So the elevator comes up to the 12th floor and I'm standing there waiting for the elevator with my brother, who if, if there was a savage on this earth that I would rather be with, he was the guy, you know? So uh, we knew something was wrong, but the, the mud had a bag of groceries covering the gun. And this girl, Phyllis, was trying to mouth to us, he has a gun, he has a gun. But I knew something was wrong, but I knew it wasn't the right time to jump him. You know what I mean? Because uh, I knew some, I just thought it would have been a bad time. So she gets out of the elevator and she says, could you help me with my keys to the apartment? I'm having problems with my keys. So I open the apartment. The mutt follows us in, drops the groceries, and sticks the gun in my face. And I'm like, oh, shit, when you have a gun stuck in your face, man, there's no other feeling of your heart dropping into your chest, you know? So he was afraid of my brother. My brother was like 5'11", two and a quarter, but he also had that look, the look of a savage on his face, you know? So he says, call him in here. So he calls him in and he sticks the gun at him and he goes, oh, shit. 
Now the guy says to me, he goes, all right, give me your money. He goes, now he goes, take off your belt and tie him up. He wanted me to tie up my brother. So I had one of these like elastic belts on. I put it around his his hands so loose that a child could have got out of it, you know? And then he started, he was nervous. He was moving the gun back and forth. And he was going to start tying all of us up. And I said, this robbery is over. There is no way I'm getting tied up. He moved the gun all the way to the right. And I nailed him with a forearm across his chest. And uh, he fired four shots at us. And unfortunately, the second one hit my brother in the stomach. But he hit both of us like a, a block, knocked both of us into the vestibule. And then we beat the shit out of this guy, took the gun from him, ripped him to the ground by his hair because he tried to run out the building. And we held him for the police. That's my happy Christmas story. Wow. wow. <laughs> your brother, your brother made it out okay, though. Yeah, he, he, he lived through it. But you know something? I think when you get shot, there's a, it's not just a physical thing. There's definitely a psychological thing to getting shot, you know? Yeah. And, I don't, and I don't know if he was ever really the same after that, you know? But, yeah. uh, and I, you look, I thought I was going to get shot because I could feel the, when bullets come out of a gun, you could feel the air. Like if you don't get hit with it, you could feel the air flying. And I could feel that, you know, as I had my hand wrapped around his, his arm, you know, and, uh, you know, and three three of the shots that went into the wall, there was two little kids in the apartment too that just missed a three-year-old and a four-year-old that was sitting on the couch. Wow. And of course, it, it, this was 1984. He was, um, the guy was out on parole for murder and he was a Dominican illegal. It's just like today, <laughs> you know, but yeah. yeah, that's my beautiful Christmas story. Joe Kane, thank you so much for the $10 super chat. Yeah, we're telling beautiful crime Christmas stories. <laughs> Listen, it's it's a, it's about the truth. And Billy, I could attest to what you're saying that I had shots flying over my head, and you could hear them whizzing by. And I, the guy, I think the guy was firing a small caliber gun. I forget what it was, but it wasn't like a, a 45 or nothing like that. And you know, you heard that a couple of shots go over your head, and then one of them hit the pole behind me. I heard that ping. I was ping, like, yeah, yeah, it's it's getting closer. So, uh, but real quick, uh, a narcotic story, not not my story, but borrowed from my partner Artie Williams. My, Artie Williams was in uh, Manhattan North Narcotics in the seventies. They had a bunch of informants that they would, you know, street informants. They get information off, uh, and Christmas time they would put up a Christmas tree. And I know this is going to sound unorthodox, but this is a true story. This really happened. They'd put up a Christmas tree in their office, and they would call their informants in one at a time, and they'd come in and they'd pull a bag of dope off. They'd, they'd confiscate dope, make small bags out of it, pin it to the Christmas tree, and the informants would come in. They would take their dope off the tree, and they would go out. And uh, that's how they that's how they paid them off. Uh, I guess Christmas time they gave them a little bonus, you know. <laughs> Linda Cosma, thank you much for the ten dollars super sticker. Joe Kane, uh, Cr Patrick, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, Police off the cuff. We're going to try to really keep growing this channel in 2022. As anyone that does a YouTube channel knows, it's not easy. Jimmy Calandra, you can attest to that. You you got to just keep keep plugging along, right? Keep uh asking people to subscribe and all that other stuff, but we try our best. And, uh, you know, I always say to people, I'm not for everybody, you know, <laughs> maybe that's not a good advertisement, you know, YouTube. I mean, today, today you're in the high and tomorrow you're in the low, you know, it's an up and down cycle. Sure is. Sure is, man. You can't, uh, you know, there's no, you, you really, Jimmy, you can't please everyone. You just got to be yourself. And who, the people that love you will love you, and the people that don't, they'll go somewhere else, you know? Absolutely, yeah. yep. 
Hey, Jimmy, how did you and Tommy come across? You know, how did you guys meet? How did you? Uh, how did your paths cross? <laughs> Tommy, uh, I met Tommy when I got pinched in October of '99. What so happened? People was- that don't know, pinched is arrested. Tommy didn't walk over <laughs> and pinch him on the cheek. That's arrested. Yeah, I got, I, yeah, I got some Brooklyn vocabulary. So uh, what happened was in October '99. My parole officer called me from outside. He said, hey, Calandra. He says, I'm outside. Open up the door. And uh, I was living with my ex-girlfriend at the time. She was with me for almost 19 years. She did a bid with me. And as soon as I opened up the door, I had about 20 guys raid in. And they just took me and just put me right in the van and swept me away. And uh, Tommy Days was one of those guys. And, uh, you know, at the precinct, he... uh, Put some common sense into my head. And uh, he said, you know, your past came back to haunt you. And, uh, you know, then from there, I, uh, within two months, I started cooperating. Jimmy, was he wearing his robe? Uh, no, he, no he, actually, he actually had a bulletproof vest on with a, oh, okay. with a big pistol in his hand. Roberto Wilco, thank you so much for the $5 super chat and one of... Uh... Jimmy Calandra's friends is on here. Boston Jay, thank you for the $10 super sticker. Jimmy is my big brother, great dad, and my dear friend. So proud of him. Merry Christmas, fellas. He's a good kid, Boston Jay. But That's me and never, we never stopped. We never lost touch from the day that that happened. You know, um, he was very, you know, the, the information that he helped corroborate. And, you know, he did, he did a great job for the government. And me and him stayed friends. Ever since, we've never skipped a beat. That's great. Duty Ron, thank you for the $20 super chat. He says, here's my partial vig for this month. I'll have the rest soon. Please don't whack me. <laughs> He's got a good sense we, of humor. We, we, we wouldn't think of it. We wouldn't think of it. <laughs> this is great. You know, it's fun to be around uh, shooting the shit with the guys around Christmas time. You know, it's a great time of year. Be with your family. Be with your friends, right? It's a little hectic, though, too, right? It's oh, a little, sure. you, know, you know what it is? I mean, when I look back growing up and when my mom and dad was together, it was really a great time, you know, Christmas time. And, uh, you know, the Christmases are a lot different today compared to, you know, now that my mom's gone and my father's gone and my, and my grandparents are gone. You know, back in the day, they were very good memories. Now today with all these you know, diseases, COVID-19, then you got this Omicron going on, and it's just a scary time today. You know, between Omicron and Delta, it sounds like sororities and fraternities there, you know? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. The, Delta, the Delta variant. Nah, you look back, and uh, like Jimmy said, I can relate so much to what he's talking about. People are gone. It's not, it's not the same anymore. You know, it really isn't. Even in the, even when we worked, there was a squad room. It was a, a festive time, you know. And uh, but you know, when your family starts disappearing, it's uh, it's not the same. Really but you is. know, Tommy, everyone everyone on this in this world on this earth has their time. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could go back, look at people on the police department. How many people on the police department are no longer with us? I know a lot of good people. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's the nature of life. And unfortunately. You, you know, you can't go back. You can never go back. You got to always 
move forward. Yeah, you hold on to those memories, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it just, but it's not. The, it just for some reason, it's not the same. Not know? the same. I feel the same. Things things definitely change. And listen, this time of year, with what's going on, like you guys said, with the Omicron, with COVID in general. Uh, parties are getting canceled. People are trying to get back on track. I mean, we used to have an annual party every year with the Detectives Endowment Association, the DEA. It was always a great party. I would love to go to that. They didn't do it the last two years. I, I know the SBA had one the other day, Billy, but you said it wasn't even that. No, it wasn't as well attended as usual. Well you know? attended. Yeah. So I, I can remember years, you know, during the time I was on the police force, you know, four and five parties during the month of December that we would hit, you know, and he, maybe even more than that. And then I saw something in the paper, something stupid happened. At one of the parties, one the lieutenant took a lap dance from a female cop and they're getting in trouble. Stupid things like that. I can't believe that. I, you know, I was reading that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, first off, what, what, what they do so wrong? I mean, I don't know what was going on at the party. I just saw the headline. I read it quick, but so what if they were kidding around? They had a little, they're going to start suspending people and taking their, their, their livelihood away. I mean, come on, that's stupid. But anyways, we're, we're going through a crazy. Hey, who knows? Who knows? Pazzo. He says, hi, Phil, Tommy, Bill, and brother, Jimmy. Merry Christmas, everyone. God I bless. And happy new year. He's your buddy, Jimmy. Yes. Pazzo's a good guy. Good man. He looks Pazzo. great. He, lo he looks like, he, he looks like the Brooklyn guy. Yeah, Got the he's sunglasses. A, he's a good guy. Pazzo. Looks like he just walked out of the front of Gold's gym. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of my moderators. <laughs> oh, that's right. good. You need moderators these days. Yeah, John Stolberg, sure. thanks for the $5 super chat. And Duty Ron, Tommy Dades is an excellent detective. Tommy Dades, you got some fans out there. We knew that. We knew that. I can't tell you about Tommy's female fans in the chat. I got to like, oh, my God. I love Tommy Dades. <laughs> He's a hit with the ladies, that's for oh sure. Oh, my God. I'm all washed up. Nah. <laughs> he was always a hit you know, the, whole, the whole time I know him He was always a hit with the ladies But that's another story But Jimmy, I gotta ask you a question You're talking about the Christmas party That Frankie, I think you said Frankie Lino used to throw it That's a name Frankie, that I know Frankie Lino was a character Yeah, oh I know he was I knew him growing up But tell us a little more about the parties Give us an idea what went on in them days At them parties nah. The party, well the parties When we had the parties uh, for example, little Robbie Lino would be there. Anthony Basili would be there. Uh, the Avenue crew would be there. Uh, where where would they have the party, Jim? It would be at 2020 on 86th Street. Oh, that's when they sold their flowers, right, Jim? Yes, the 2020 on 20th Avenue and 86th Street. And, uh, you know, all these guys would be there. And at the time, you know what? You know, Paulie G really had this big ego with him. You know, he was a tough kid. And, you know, he uh, really didn't like too many guys, you know. So when he when he saw other guys, like from Avenue U, he really much liked this people. That was his problem sometimes with Paulie. His ego was too big, you know, instead of, you know, being polite and being nice to people. And that's what that life is. You got to respect everybody. You know, you can't disrespect other people. When you disrespect other people right away, you know what? They're not going to like you. And that's what was Paulie G's problem, you know. I mean, he he should have respected people a little more. You know, I love Paulie, and uh, I'm always going to talk good about him. But, uh, you know, growing up in the street, that was uh, his problem, you know. Hey, Jimmy, um, was Paulie the guy who used to slice the garlic with the razor? He had that system, and then the garlic would go in the pot, and it would just melt? 
No, he used to just slice slice people's throats. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, that's how he was. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Hey, hey, Tom, did you ever do any surveillance on Christmas parties? I mean, that would be something that all the guys showing up. And- you know, we, did, we did one or two, but, you know, uh, like Maddie and Frankie, you know, they they, uh, they used to school me like, don't do, don't do wakes, you know, don't do Christmas, like certain things like, well, like kind of. Temple. Because there's other places that you can find people. Christmas time or whatever things like that. If someone passed away, yeah, you know, uh, disrespect disrespect the family, things like that. You know what I mean? Billy, so, do you have you have the picture of Tommy with the two gentlemen we talked about earlier? Maybe you could put that up now. Yeah, I do. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. Since, I got a lot uh, of I got a lot Tommy of pictures here. I got one. Uh, this was the chairman of the board. This guy at one time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm trying to find uh, Tommy's picture. Well, this is Tommy in the the suit he used to own. How hey, you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Uh, <laughs> anyway, come on, could you could you have a bit more handsome detective than that? That's why he's got the ladies all after him. I'm That's trying to find that picture, picture thought, Tom. <laughs> I got it somewhere. I just all right. Uh, I, I got so many pictures in here. That's why it's tough for me to find it right now. I didn't mean to cut off Tommy. Tommy, you you, you were saying something else. So it was basically like a mutual respect for funerals and wakes that you didn't want to parties. Things you stayed away from, you know. That's how I was taught anyway. There we go. There we go. That's Frank Spiro and Matty Chicago. Those are the two agents that uh, actually locked Sammy up. Yeah. uh, They're friends with him to this day. And Sammy has a... just as much respect for them and vice versa, you know, but they took me under their wing and I was like 30, 32 years ago. And, uh, they're two of the nicest guys. They, I, they forgot more than I know. And, uh, I love the both of them. And, you know, Frankie, they were close to Frankie, the Chico, Jimmy Brown, Fiella, Sammy. I mean, everybody knew who they were and, just showed them a lot of respect because they showed respect. So they just taught me what to do, what not to do, you know, and basically to treat people people good. But two of the most sweetest guys in the world, I love them to death. I really do. Yeah. I, yesterday I had the pleasure, along with Tommy, to meet them. We had a luncheon, and I got to tell you, Tommy had spoke about them many times. Obviously, Sammy spoke about them on on his podcast, Sammy Gravano, Sammy the Bull. And when I got to meet them yesterday for the first time, they were two gentlemen. And on two or three different occasions, they each came over to me and thanked me and Bill for giving them a shout out on a preview show that, we, that they did. And from the conversation, I was sitting next to them and the conversation we had throughout the afternoon, Tommy, I have to agree, they they didn't have uh, like a braggadocious attitude about all the great stuff that they did. In, They're, in the right now. They're the best. No, no, they, 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 you could see they were down to earth guys. And they also uh, translated to me that mutual respect, so to speak, like, in other words, if they went looking for a guy, uh, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Maddie was telling me a story. They went looking for a guy, and the guy jumped out the back of his house and jumping over the fence or something. They went to his boss, and they said, listen, we went looking for this guy. What does he got to play that game with us for? You know, just don't worry about it. You know, uh, give me your number. And half an hour later, the guy called and, and was apologizing to him. I didn't mean it. You know, it was like, we got to do our job. You're going to do your thing. We're going to do our thing. And, and let's just play nice. And, you know, 
mutual respect. And, and I think that you could see from talking to those two guys that they were genuinely good guys and probably guys that would have got along with, you know, two FBI agents that probably would have got along with NYPD guys very easily. And you don't have that a lot. You don't have that cooperation a lot of times. Uh, but they were just two nice guys. I wanted to shout out to them again. Billy, uh, they, they said thank you to you too. Uh, they really went out of their way. They appreciated it. And uh, two good guys, two good I talk uh, to about Jimmy all the time too, you know, and so does Sam. Now, Tommy, are you wearing a fire department sweatshirt there? Yeah, I am. As a matter oh, of fact, we oh got to give another God. shout out, Tom. That's <laughs> my name. It was given to me by a dear friend of mine who uh, he's a three-star chief in the fire department, and uh, he was a cop first and a sergeant, and he left. All right, there. Department. We'll let it go then. We'll let, <laughs> we'll, we'll let it go, name, Tommy. Come on, give him a shout out. Shout out to Chief Michael Gallo. That's another good guy. Another good guy. Uh, he, he was a sergeant in the police department, and his father was a uh, lieutenant. Uh, fire department. Father was a lieutenant, and he always wanted to be a fireman. He was doing well in the police. My dad had like ten years in when he rolled over, right? Seven. Okay, but he was going places in anti-crime. He was oh, a sergeant yeah. and a very active guy, and he made it all the way to three-star chief in the fire department. Shout out to him. Merry Christmas to everybody. To the, to the two agents, Maddie and Frankie, and to uh, and Chief Galler as well. Peter Miller, Jimmy speaks the truth with no exaggeration or embellishment. Thank you, Peter Miller, for the four ninety nine super chat. You know, Jimmy, what? you got you got some friends here. Thank you, Peter. Some of these podcasts that are out there, and uh, you know, I'm not getting into any drama, not feeding into anything, but um, you know, to say anything, you know, about anybody, and you know, if anybody attacks attacking Jimmy, and I've watched some of them, and attacking Sammy, and you know what? You don't really see Jimmy attacking anybody. You don't really see Sammy attacking anybody. And there's really no reason for it. It's like they're, they're making a joke out of, you know, this whole thing. You know, they're making a joke out of it. And it's like hatred and, and you know, it's stupidity stuff. And if you want to tell stories about what happened, like cops like to tell stories, wise guys like to tell stories. Why would what's with the hate? What's with the attacking? You know, and to me, I personally believe it's all jealousy. As you can see, Jimmy lives a beautiful life, he changed his life completely. Uh, everything you know, that second chance, every piece of it, Jimmy's taken advantage of a second chance at life. And he's a great dad, he's a good friend, you know, he's got a great girl, and uh, he's doing very good for himself. So, whatever anyone's saying, they're full of. shit. And I don't know what their motives are for saying. I really don't. You know, it's like he's a good guy, and I'm saying he's a good guy. These guys were on the same side of the fence as he was. What What are they got? They weren't saying nothing bad about him when he was in the street. Now, from you know Iowa somewhere, that they're, they're talking stuff over a computer. It's retarded. It really. We is. call it. We call them keyboard warriors. You know, keyboard warriors. Exactly. Yeah. They hide behind the keyboard. Jimmy, real quick, you said something to me before we went on the air about how you feel about the whole things, and you said something that I thought was really would put it very much into context. What you told Jim Walden, maybe could, do you remember what you, what you told me earlier? Yes. yes. When I, when I first came forward, I told Jim Walden. I said. I'm not going to lie to you, and I'm not going to lie for you when I came forward, okay? And I was very honest, and uh, I told him everything from when I robbed a pack of bubblegum when I was a kid. So I wanted to make sure everything I did in my life was behind me, and I could go forward and put everything 
behind me and start a fresh life. I never went into no witness protection program. I couldn't do it. Tommy Dage knows that. My father passed away while I was doing prison time. Uh, he worked the same job for 35 years, passed away at the age of 59, pancreatic cancer. And the two weeks before he passed away, uh, I didn't call the house because I couldn't get on the phone with him. Because every time I spoke to him, I got a lump in my throat and he had a lump in his throat. And uh, so I never really got the proper goodbye to say goodbye to my dad. But, uh, you know, look, I made the best decision and I'm never going to regret it because I got two kids out of the deal. And my life is really, uh, you know, my life just started the last two, three years started really coming together. You know, I met a beautiful girl in my life and she uh, I learned a lot from her. You know, so uh, I'm blessed by God and I just want to help people uh, from, you know, my bad past. If I could uh, open up somebody's eyes, that's what I want to do. Good for you, Jimmy. I just want to mention, guys, uh, this is the anniversary of the assassination of uh, Raphael Ramos and uh, Officer Wen Jin Liu. Uh, they were posthumously promoted to detective, but... I just always keep that in mind. There are people out there that that hate the police and uh, people that uh, encourage people to do the things that happened to uh, Raphael Ramos and Wen Jin Lu. And I just want to, uh, Francis Coyle, thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, also, Joey D, thank you for the $20 Super Chat. Love my brother Jimmy. Always great to see you and Tommy together. It's a blessing. He is in your life. That's a treasure for sure. Police off the cuff. Tommy Dage, thank you to you guys for your service. God first. Thank you so much, Joey D. Thank you, thank you Joey Dove. Uh, Billy, Francis Coyle, that's my sister. My sister, Fran, who I love and respect so much that she brought that up. 2014, uh, December 20th, Wen John Liu and Raphael Ramos, they were executed. Wen John Liu lived right around the corner from my sister, not even a block away, just right around the corner. And thank you, Fran, for bringing that up. Uh, I was going to bring it up at the end of the show, but I'm glad you brought it up now. Those guys were uh, posthumously promoted to detective, uh, like Bill said, and they were executed. And it was the beginning of the uh, anti-police, uh, you know, rhetoric over the past few years and uh, defund the police and stuff like that. And those guys were, you know, basically just minding their own business. They were in a police car with a uniform on and they were targeted because of who they were, that they were police officers and uh, God bless them and their families. 100%. Uh, Christine M., thank you for the 499 Super Chat. You guys have been so generous this evening. Uh, maybe it's because of the guys I'm with. I'm getting good luck. I got all these three guys from Brooklyn. They're blessing They're blessing this guy from Westchester, you know? <laughs> I won't say where I'm from in Westchester, but just realize I am strapped with three nine millimeters around and my desk. plenty of clips. And plenty <laughs> of- <laughs> and extra clips. This is a two or three clip location. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Sure. <laughs> that's why Sammy when we went out with Sammy he goes I know where all three of you guys are he goes I got a hit team coming your way and I said yeah but Sammy we're all strapped too and we know how to shoot we train we practice <laughs> yeah he right? acknowledged that too that was funny <laughs> but uh, uh, Philly just uh, take a quick break and uh, could you do that yeah we're going to give a shout out to Joe Murray good man Joe Murray, attorney at law, have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's literally knows both sides of the fence. He's a not only experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. His website is jmurray-law.com. 
His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Joe's got a great uh, podcast called Allegedly Guilty as well. There's the mug he sent us. He's a good man. You know, Jimmy, uh, Joe has a great story. Joe was an NYPD police officer. And one day he made a very bad decision. One of his friends had a problem with a detective in this squad. So he goes there in uniform. He's working. He's on duty. And I'm not telling the story that he hasn't told. He told the story on our podcast. He goes to the squad and confronts this detective. And the story goes, the detective put his hands on him. And Joe Murray was a heavyweight boxer for the PBA boxing team. He hit the guy once and broke his jaw in two places and gets gets collared in uniform. Wow. They wanted him to they wanted to put him through central booking in his uniform. And the PBA delegate was like, no, no way. The chief of detectives wanted him to go through central booking in his uniform. Wow. They wanted the detective for, for, for even saying anything. He should have said he fell down the stairs. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so Joe Murray gets collared. Now he has to fight the case. He beats the case because he testifies in grand jury and there's no true bill. So the case dies right there. But the civil case is still going on. And in the civil case, he represents himself because he has no money to pay an attorney. And he beats the civil case. Wow. So, But he had to get off the police department because everyone was going after him. The chief detectives wanted his ass because he broke a detective's jaw. And he, he vested at 15 years, didn't even have a college degree. Got his college degree and then went to law school and got his law degree. Now he's a great wow. attorney. Yeah. Wow. That's great a story, right? Story. That's wow. a story. So he always tells everyone, he goes, hey, I know what it's like to get arrested. He goes, I know what it's like to be on the other side. So great story. And a great, great guy. I mean, just a tremendous, tremendous guy. I mean, that's uh, why he's such an advocate for. Uh, and he, Joey, and he says, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> And he's not Italian. He's Irish. What do you want from me? <laughs> that could be too. Yeah, you. My my fee is going to be a bag of money like this. <laughs> That's right. Well, be. it's ten thousand dollars down and five thousand dollars next month. <laughs> All right. What do you want from me? <laughs> now he's a good man, Joe, and uh, you could see he's real. If he's been, you, you've seen him on the show, he's a real advocate for uh, the proper uh, ways of the criminal justice system. He doesn't believe in any, uh, you know, phony baloney nonsense. And, uh, he's really just a great guy. We read his commercial. It's a pleasure to do it. And, uh, he's really a good attorney. He's a great man. Ron Schindel, inspector Ron Schindel from both our job and the port authority. Thank you so much for the $20 super chat. Thank you, Ron. I value your friendship. You're a great man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Good man. It's it's Christmas time in the city. <laughs> festive behind you, Jimmy. Huh? Very festive behind you. Yeah, we got a nice tree over here. God bless. God bless. Yeah, you know, them. you know, this year, Jimmy, I just got one of those Charlie Brown trees. It's like two two feet high, three feet high. You know, just my wife and I. So we got no kids anymore. Our kids are twenty six and twenty nine. So. I'm not buying a big tree just for us, you know. Yeah, I pull up. I pull up for the kids. No, you get if you have kids, you got You got to have a nice tree. I, I know why Cannon has a small tree because now the kids are gone. So when he chases his wife around the house, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you don't want to knock over a big tree. I, I, I don't want the big tree to get in the way. Up. It's no big deal, you know. <laughs> 
Hey, hey Jimmy, true. who brought up the club 2020 earlier on 86th Street? Did Sammy own that at one time? I think Sammy owned that, right? One, was that Tommy? Yeah, at one time, Sammy did own that. I thought so. Okay, okay. Yeah. I can tell you a funny story about the club 2020. When I first, first rookie come out of the police academy, well, while we're in the academy, I used to tell uh, the guys in my company about this great after hours club on 86th Street, club 2020, blah, blah, blah. Because I used to go there, you know, before I was a cop. So we get out of the academy. Now we're working eight at night to four, four thirty in the morning. So we're getting off four thirty in the morning. And, you know, these guys are saying, where can we go? There's no place to drink. But I said, wait, I know a place. We go to the 2020 club. And one of the guys goes, Phil, I remember you talking about that in the uh, in the police academy. Yeah, come on, let's go. So now it's like 5.30 in the morning. We get over to the 2020 club. We're trying to get in. It was upstairs. We're ringing the bell. They don't. Finally, the door opens. Guy goes, yeah, can I? I says, yeah, yeah. I says, listen, buddy. I says, we're on the job. I show him my badge. I says, you know, we got off work late. That was the can worst. Up this? Huh? That was the worst thing you could do there. No, no, no. Listen to what happened. So I says, can we come upstairs and have a drink? He's like. Yeah, 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 sure, fellas. And he hits a switch. I thought he was opening the light, but he hits a switch. And we go upstairs. The lights are on. The music's off. And everybody's looking at us as we're walking through the door. They thought they were getting raided. So the first person I locked eyes with was a guy by the name of Carmine LaMonico. He was a cop with us. And he's white as a ghost. He goes, Philly, what are you doing? I go, nothing. I go, what's going on? We came up to get a drink. He goes, it's you guys? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, Oh, let me go get my badge. He threw his badge in a plant. And then he, he told the bouncers, no, no, it's okay. They just want to hang out. The lights <laughs> went off. The music back, went back on. And we crawled out of there at like 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they, thought it was, they thought it was a raid. It was uh, yeah, they thought they were getting raided. internal they, affairs. <laughs> they, they hit, the guy hit a switch and there was a light up there. And when that light goes on, the music goes off. And everybody, you know, they're probably hiding liquor and stuff because it was an illegal social club. But uh, we had some fun. You know, we yeah, don't forget that was 1982 as well. You know, it was a different yeah, time. Different Today, everybody would get locked up if you did something like that, you know. But uh, but the 2020 club, I know, I think Sammy, I thought Tommy Karate might have had something to do with it too. Oh, that was oh that's right, that's right, Overstreet. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, going back down uh, Brooklyn's memory lane, I guess, right? You know, Jimmy, there's another guy in the chat, Iyer32. I love Jimmy's content. He's a good guy with a past, but not like Jimmy's, especially the snakes. He's been around. He's still alive to tell the tales. Love Jimmy with the whole of Ireland behind me. Thank <laughs> that's you. nice. Thank you. You know who that is, Jimmy? I probably do. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Okay. I I talk to a lot of people here and there. You know, they text message me to uh, IG uh, every so often. I get somebody who needs to, uh, you know, they need to talk to somebody. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'm an air. Sometimes I'm a voice. And if uh, I can help somebody, that's what I'm here for. That's great, Jimmy. Good, Excellent. Jimmy. Lieutenant Pete. Harlem Raiders, thank you so much for the $20 Super Chat. Solid Irish-Italian panel connection tonight. Thank you, Lieutenant Pete. He's a legend in the 3-2 Precinct and Citywide Anti-Crime. Lieutenant Pete Pranzo. Pete. Good man. Thank you, Lieutenant Pete. Good man. Hey, t uh, uh, Jimmy, you said you had a question earlier before we went on the air, something about SOS or something like that. What, what was that you were uh, referring to? <laughs> what, hap what happened was... You know, YouTube has become a freak show. You know, I'm not sure if you guys watch these these channels, but, uh, you know, there's a bunch of toilet bowls, these toilet bowl people where uh, one guy had this guy that's supposed to be a cop. He didn't show his face. 
and he mentioned SOS. I don't know what SOS means. I asked you. Pillow uh, pads. Yeah, right. Pads. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, there's so much going on. I handle things a little different than you guys do. You know, you guys are more gentleman-like. Uh, you know, if these people are in front of my face, in all honesty, uh, it would probably be a different ball game, you know, because that's the way I like to handle things, you know. But, uh, you know, I'm growing in life. And I want to do better. You know, I'm, you know, giving my life to God. I want to just, you know, do the right thing. But, uh, you know, I'm working on myself. You know? <laughs> that that term it? SOS in, in police, <laughs> I know, I've never heard of myself. But, but if I saw these guys in front of me, in all honesty, it, it'd be a different <laughs> It point. might be a different story. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's good, though. Oh, but wait a minute, Philly. I thought we discussed this when we were off the air. We said it meant shadrules on site. Isn't that what it meant? <laughs> the only SOS I ever heard was Save Our Ship, which is an SOS for, for a maritime term on the police uh, in NYPD. Anyhow, I never heard the word SOS, so I don't know where that came from. But uh, the credibility of whoever said that doesn't sound too good because I don't think they, they don't sound like a New York cop. And also, and, and also the, this cop that's supposed to be a cop, he don't show his face. And what he's doing, he's aligning himself with a guy that talks bad about police officers from 9-11 and fire department people. Yeah, so I mean this, this guy's this guy's a garbage can. So the so the this guy that makes believe he's a cop is also a garbage can for aligning himself with this garbage can. Yeah. Uh, duty duty Ron saying the SOS is the survivors of the shield. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Duty Ron, for your time. Right? Yeah, for sure. You know, someone that was asking uh Tommy Dades for a, a, a Sparrow story. You got one, Tommy? A what story? A Spiro. Spiro. Uh, Anthony Spiro. I'm sorry. Spiro. I pronounced it wrong. Yeah. I, 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 it's it's kind of... We... Um, when Anthony uh, got locked up... Listen, what I... You know, I, he was... He, he treated us nicely. You know what I'm saying? The guy was a bad guy. I mean, let's face it. You know, he was the acting boss of the Bonanno family. He didn't get there by, you know, sitting in a church pew every day. But uh, so the, the deal was that uh, he was charged with three murders. And the deal for him getting house arrest was to have a bracelet on home, you know, like home confinement, with the condition that we could visit him unannounced, even if it was 3 o'clock in the morning. So Walden used to tell, like, me, my partner, Mike Galetta, whoever else, whatever, DH, agents, I don't remember. But I remember me and Mike being there, and I think Jimmy Hawkins too. And uh, we walk in and, you know, say, Andy, like, you know, sorry to break your chops, whatever. He's, no, come on in, come in, come in. So we come in. It's the first time, I mean, go, we're going back a little bit now, right, Jimmy? It's a long time ago. Yeah, so you're going back 2000. Yeah, they had a barbecue in his kitchen. Like a legitimate barbecue in his kitchen with this vent that would suck all the smoke out of his barbecue out, you know, out of the roof. And he's barbecuing hamburgers. And I'm like, wow, you know. And he goes, You hungry? I go, I'm hungry. <laughs> he sat down and he barbecued his hamburgers. We sat down, we ate with him. And, you know, we used to go by, you know, whatever Walden would tell us to drop by there, you know. Tommy, those weren't hamburgers. That was Paulie. That was Paulie. <laughs> I mean, who knows what who knows what we read, but he he treated us, you know. He treated you, us you're like, talking about like to go there and like serve a subpoena or something, or just get? Oh no, we 
we had like Walden would tell us, you know, go visit Anthony. So this way, if anybody was there, it would prevent him from having anybody come over to talk to him. You know, you know, like anybody from the Bonanno family, because we make a, a surprise anytime. So he had to agree to let us in, even if it was four in the morning. But we would go four in the morning. You know, we go in the afternoon, just say hello. He'd invite us in. So we would go in, sit down, bullshit with him. And uh, it's the first time I ever saw a barbecue in a kitchen, like a real barbecue. <laughs> now I know what I want for Christmas. I got to tell my That's wife. Right. Jimmy, how how was the uh, the Spiro Club? I mean, you have any stories about Spiro's Club? Obviously, you were around there. Uh, Sparrow's Club was uh, full with a bunch of old-time wise guys. Every so often, uh, you get a couple of young guys in there. You know, uh, Georgie Adamo was his godson. So uh, we were in and out of there. You know, uh, you know me and little Georgie, we actually robbed uh, Anthony Sparrow's Joker poker machine. You know, nobody, <laughs> nobody knew about this. You know, we kept it a secret. And, uh, you know, I told the wise guy, when I did this a long time ago, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he told me, he said, whatever you do, never, ever tell anybody that you did that, you know? So, uh, yeah, and we got away with it. And Sparrow, the next day, he, uh, you know, he wanted to know who did it. What happened was we had to go all the way to Manhattan to cash in the quarters because we couldn't do it in the neighborhood. So we went all the way down to Manhattan to cash in the quarters. We got like maybe $1,000, something like that, $1,500 in quarters and some cash, and uh, we kept it a secret for a long time. And, uh, you know, he was dying to find out who did it, but it never came out until I came forward and I started talking about it. What's the story with him when you went in there? I forget he went in there when he was cooking sauce and peppers, and he's just staring at the pan and then off his sandwich. Yeah, what, what happened was that's the time when Joe Benanti had a fist fight with Philly Dogs. I was there with the kid Dean Benicillo, I think Fabrizio was there. Now, at the time, before I went away, Fabrizio was just a regular kid, you know. And, you know, maybe Tommy Days could tell you, in the course of time, a lot of things change. You know, uh, when people get killed, for example, you know, once they kill Paulie G, you know, then, then it passed down to Joey Calco. Joey Calco was the man for a minute. You know, then Joey Calco had to go to Italy. Then Fabrizio became the man. You know, I would never think in my lifetime that Fabrizio would get straightened out. But getting back to the story, uh, Philly Dogs was a wise guy with the Gambino crime family, and Joe Benanti was a wise guy with the Bananos. So Joe Benanti, we went out down to uh, the Brown Derby. I think it was Turquoise after the Brown Derby. And Philly Dogs is standing in a spot. So they don't know each other. He ends up going to the bathroom. Uh, Joe Benanti stands in his spot. Philly Dogs comes back out. And he says, oh, this is my spot. So... Push comes to shove. In all honesty, I don't know who threw the first punch. They're rolling around on the floor. These are two wise guys. This is Ali Shea's joint at the time. There's wise guys in the club. And nobody could touch these guys. So uh, they end up breaking up, you know, and uh, we're in one corner. They're in another corner. We call Little Elmo. Little Elmo comes in, and uh, he gets us out of there. I drive Joe Benanti home. Joe Benanti calls me the next morning. He says, Jimmy, he says, you got to go talk to Anthony and tell Anthony what happened. Now, Joe Benanti was my guy, so I'm going to defend Joe Benanti, you know, and say that, you know, our Philly dogs threw the first punch, and I was there, you know, so I had to go there. I got Paulie G. and went to go see Anthony Sparrow. When I saw Anthony Sparrow, he was in the back with Junior Chili at the time. 
they were making chicken cutlets, okay? So me, me and Paulie G, we walk in there, and, uh, you know, I tell Anthony, I said, Anthony, I was there. I said, Philly, uh, Philly Dogs, you know, he's the one who threw the first punch. Uh, Joe is in the right, and he's listening to me, and uh, he's making these chicken cutlets. They smell so good. You know, the, you know, I, I'm dying to have one. You know, I want to taste them. <laughs> and uh, he don't offer us a chicken cutlet. So after I tell him about Joe Benanti, I walk out of there with Paulie G, and me and Paulie G, we're, we're talking about Sparrow saying, mate, this motherfucker, he didn't even ask us if we wanted a chicken cutlet. You believe this shit? <laughs> You know, well, you know, the first time I John's Deli and got a chicken parmesan. Yeah, the, the first time I saw Philly, he was on a street in Brooklyn. He was eating a veal cutlet parmesan hero. And I, I flagged him down. <laughs> well, Paulie, I, I'll tell you, that's another thing about Paulie G. See, Paulie G, he didn't want that to pass either because he kept on saying, he, said, he used to tell Joe Benanti, Joe, let's go to the, the Puritan Diner. Let's see if we see this Philly Dogs. Now, Philly Dogs was a made guy, you know, and, uh, you know, that's how Paulie G was, you know, because Paulie G wasn't there that night with the fight. So he felt, you know what, let me let me run into this Philly dog. So I'll give him a fucking beating, you know, and that's how <laughs> he was. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it went all the way up to John Gotti. And uh, they both were told because they both wanted each other's head. You know, Philly dogs wanted Joe Benanti's head and Joe Benanti wanted Philly dog's head. And uh they were both told if one of you die, you both die. So you both got to forget about it. It's over. Well, All right. That's a good, that's a good uh, turquoise story. All I'm thinking about is the chicken cutlets. I know. Yeah, I would have been salivating the mouth. <laughs> yeah. The fight is a draw. It'll never be a fight again. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But, but, but you know what? You never, you never hear about stories like that about two wise guys, you know, raising their hands to each other. You don't hear stories like that. Yeah, no, of no. course not. Jimmy, you told me another story recently about something that happened. I think it was on 13th Avenue where a guy come at you with a bat and then you, you, you fired shots at the guy. You want to tell us that story? Yeah, I could tell you. What happened was at this time, there was this kid, Michael Marola. Okay, Michael Marola, Tommy Days might have known him. He was a little drug dealer. He was a little wild man. He's from 13th Avenue and 80th Street. Okay. At this time, I was hanging out with him. He was one of the first Coke dealers to have one of those big phones in the car. They were like TVs. Yeah. You walk, yeah, you walk around with them. So what he did was he used to steal everyone else's numbers. Like if you had a beeper number, we had a Chinese guy downtown Brooklyn. We would get your number. And we would duplicate your beeper number and have your number. So every time someone beeped you, we would be able to call them first because we had the phone in the car. So they would have to go to a pay phone. So we would meet them first, you know. So he had a beef with this kid, Leo in Salaco, okay, on 13th Avenue and 80th Street. We're going into a deli over there. And this kid, Leo, punches the kid, Mike Marola, in the face. So I punched the kid Leo in the face. It's like, you know, if I'm with you, someone fights with you, I'm going to defend you. I'm going to fight with you. Okay? So uh, I punched the kid Leo in the face. He runs to his car to get a baseball bat. As he's coming at me, I had a 9 millimeter on me, and I shot the kid three times in the stomach. So after I shot him, uh, I went down to the kid Mike the Rollers, the Rollers' house on 80th Street. I ran over there. Paulie G came to pick me up. 
And then I went to California and Vegas for two weeks until Paulie G told me to come back. Now, when I came back, this kid, Mike Marola, was telling me, Jimmy, Uncle Leo wants to meet us. I said, Mike, I'm not meeting nobody. I said, you know what? Don't meet nobody. So one day I woke up. I had the kid Mike Marola's Corvette. And all of a sudden, Tommy Reynolds or somebody calls me and they go, yo, they, they killed the kid Mike Marola last night. I said, really? Yeah, they killed him on 7th Avenue. I said, get out of here. So something like they shot him, they stabbed him, they burnt him. And, uh, but yeah, it was a big deal, you know? And uh, Tommy Karate at the time sat down for me. This kid, Leo, his stepfather was Gaio at the time. Gaio was a wise guy. They ended up killing him too. I don't know who killed him, but uh, yeah, it was a big thing back then. And you got rid of the Corvette, I remember, really fast. What, yeah, what I did was I uh, went to some guy. I got that Corvette chopped up for a quick $1,000. The guy, here, here's $1,000. Yeah, I just dropped it off. I was at that crime scene, Marola's crime scene, me and Joe Regina. And how was, how, now, how was that crime scene? They didn't kill him there. They dumped him there, and they lit him on fire. He was shot. He was stabbed. He was beaten. And well, they, they threw a torch to him. Remember that nursery, like 68th Street and 7th Avenue? It was a little yes. nursery. Yes. That's where his body was. And right, was by the, right by the highway there, right, Tom? Yeah, he was on fire. And, 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 and you know what? I like. I wanted to go to this kid's wake, but then I said, you know what? Let me not even go to the wake, you know, because I don't know who's going to be in that wake. But, uh, you know, it's a shame because the mother had the title to the Corvette, but I had to get rid of it because I didn't want it to be, you know, accessory to murder. You know, if I give him the Corvette back right away, wow, you had the Corvette, this kid's dead. You know, they might have put me with his murder. And I didn't have anything to do with his murder, but I shot the kid Leo, you know. How did you and wind what, up with the car, Jim? Because what happened was when we went down to, to California, I had the car in my Uncle Frankie's shop. on uh, That was uh, Mikey DeSantis's brother, Frankie, at the time. He had a shop and I kept it over there. And uh, when I came back, I had his car, and he kept on asking me for the car. And I wanted to drop off the car to him, but I kept on cruising around with it, you know? I didn't think they were going to kill the kid, you know? But, sure. uh, well, you know but he kept, kept on asking me. He says, he says Jimmy, they want to meet us. I said, I said, Mike, I'm not fucking meeting nobody. I said, if they want to meet me, I'll be on Bay 23rd with my balls, meeting my pistol, you know? But, uh, you know, he ended up meeting whoever he met. And that's it. They got rid of him. They killed him. They set him up. They set him up. Yep. They set him up to be they got. They got him good. The guy who killed him is dead. Well, yeah. the guy who actually killed him. There's one more yeah. people there. But the guy well, you know, they, yeah, they, yeah they, they, they say, you know, on the street, it was the guy Frankie Myers. Yep. So, you know. Whatever. All right. Now, I know you were, you were telling that story recently, and there was some... Uh, you know, some question on uh, details of it. So I think you covered it right there. Yeah, you know, you, you know what you know it is, though? On this YouTube, you have a lot of freaks and weirdos and liars. And what they want to do is they want to try to destroy your credibility. They want to destroy my credibility because they look at me as a threat. You know, I mean, they don't want to, you know, make people like me. They don't want to see me be successful because I pulled a couple guys' cards. I'm not going to tell you who. I don't want to mention their name. And they're liars. You know, guys want to make believe they're made. This other guy wants to make believe he's a hitman. 
You know, listen, I was a dog. I was a hoodlum. I was surrounded by wise guys. I wasn't made. But you know what? My friend Fabrizio got straightened out. It's a known fact. My friend Paulie Galino was murdered. My friend Jorge Adamo was murdered. Uh, my friend Chestnut was murdered. Mike Morello was murdered. I have a whole bunch of friends that were murdered. You know, I mean, I was involved in a double homicide. Tommy Dades knows this. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I went to go do a home invasion. A, a woman got killed by accident. I testified to this. So you know what? You could say what you want to want about me. You can hate me all you want. But you, one thing you can't say, I'm not a liar. Okay? I tell the truth on anything I say because I have nothing to hide. The story that he tells about the 13th Avenue thing, we knew about that story before he even came in and admitted it because there were guys that saw it that came in on a case before him and, you know, just told us information that they knew and Jimmy shot so-and-so or whatever. So even before he came in, you know, we had a lot of stuff on Jimmy that we already knew. And you ask him questions, you know, from, like he said, he hit it right on the button. What's the first? Walden would ask, what's the first people, piece of bubble gum you stole? And whatever, right. whatever you ever did, you got to tell. And it doesn't, people were saying kind of, in, 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 you know, it's um, insinuating that he never shot that guy. And he's going in to tell Walden, mostly it's the time that you're trying to, get every piece of information, guys hold back like a little bit until they finally realize they got to tell everything. He's looking for leniency. Why is he going to say he shot somebody if he didn't shoot him? So, so, Tommy, basically what you're saying is is that before Jimmy came forward with that story, you guys knew all the details of the story, oh, right? We knew every piece of it. So he told it to you correctly then? To the, to the T. So, so that's corroboration. Okay. You don't, yeah, just, come in, you don't just come in and Jimmy tells the story and okay, that's it. It's gone. Right, you got to corroborate. Hours of debriefing. And then it's up to us to corroborate it. And it's his story based on what other people say he did. You, you know what I'm saying? It's not like we just take someone's word for it and right. that's it. Okay, Jimmy, whatever you say, it's over. It's corroborated eight, 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 eight waves from Sunday. You know what I'm saying? We knew things, you know, all about that before Jimmy, that whole story, we knew the whole thing before Jimmy even came in. Uh, Peter Millis Peter Millis says uh, they don't like Jimmy because he doesn't glorify the life tells the truth and they all lie so there's a little bit of uh... and that you know what that's the thing to look in that life there's a lot of treachery I mean for example look at Anthony Sparrow he used young kids he used Paulie Galino and all of us to go after Vincent Bickerman Paulie G finds B Vincent Bickerman he kills Vincent Bickerman okay so you know what He's not in good favor with Sparrow. Later on, Joey Calco kills Paulie G. Anthony Sparrow gets Joey Calco to kill Paulie G. There ain't no in good favor with these guys. These guys use you. It, that, that's what they do. They use you to get what they have to get done. And then when they're done with you, they throw you to the curb, they throw you in the gutter, and they destroy you. That's it. Jimmy, your, your channel's called what? Jimmy Calandra? Jimmy Calandra, Beth Avenue story. All right, it's Jimmy Calandra, Beth Avenue story. Uh, that's Jimmy's uh, YouTube. And I would all encourage all you guys that are members of uh, Police Off the Cuff to join Jimmy's uh, channel. We like to help each other out. I call it cross-pollination. And uh, it actually works. Fans of Jimmy's come on my channel, and hopefully fans of mine go on Jimmy's channel. 
Absolutely. And, uh, uh, Phil, Phil and Bill Buchanan, you guys are great guys. And uh, really, I like you guys a lot. Jimmy, and, we got to have a drink one day. I'll even go into Brooklyn. Uh, I'll, I'll bring two clips, but I'll come to Brooklyn. Any, look, any, look, anytime. All right, definitely. You know, we're at an hour and eight minutes, and I usually go around the whole thing, and I, I'm going to give Tommy Dades. Uh, you got any last words, Tommy? Just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a very happy and safe, healthy New Year. Let's hope that 2022 uh, brings this whole world, you know, a little closer together again. That's all. 100%. Uh, Jimmy, last words? Merry Christmas to all you guys, to all my uh, family and friends out there. I appreciate the kindness and uh, your support. So, uh, you know, and a good year to come, a better year to come. That's great. You know, Philly asked me to put up a couple of pictures of his mom. I'm going to put them up on the screen. And Philly, you got your last words? Yeah, that's uh, that's my mom and my uh, my oldest my older sister Fran. I believe that's Atlantic City, sometime in the fifties. Um, December twentieth, uh, two thousand and four is when my mom passed, which was today's date. And uh, by chance, we also lost my cousin Peter Tomasino. Uh, passed away earlier today. Uh, so it, it's a little ho-hum around my house for Christmas time, but I know my mom would be proud of the stuff we're doing, Billy, and I owe it to you that I'm even doing this stuff, this YouTube stuff. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my mother. We used to call her Big T. Uh, I know she's smiling up in heaven, uh, proud of us. And uh, just, I can't tell you what a great, strong, strong woman she was, a real tough Brooklyn chick from Coney Island. Um and thank you, Billy, for allowing me. That other picture you had up is uh, that, that that's that's me and my brother. We lived on Neck Road. I think I, I'm on the left there, and uh, actually my mother's right. But uh, that was I think it was Easter Sunday. I must have been about three years old there, and uh, that smile on her face showed her personality. She always had a smile on her face. She was uh, really a, a beautiful person and a strong woman. Uh, she raised raised us up uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, she was a single parent for. Uh, like half my life. So, uh, yes. Uh, thank you very much, man. God bless you in heaven. And I just want to say one other thing about my sister brought up earlier about, uh, detectives, uh, Raphael Ramos and Win John Lowe. Uh, there's the detective Raphael Ramos foundation that was started by his wife. I think it's a great foundation, a great charity. If anybody wants to look it up and, uh, donate a few bucks, that would be great. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's Christmas time. You are trying to stay in the, in the holiday spirit. We, we did suffer a, a loss earlier today, but we'll get through it. And, uh, God bless everybody. Stay safe out there to all the, uh, men and women in blue and all the first responders. And, uh, you know, we have a few laughs, uh, with our guests tonight, you know, we're trying to, you know, maybe talk about different things that are not such great subjects. They're a little bit touchy, uh, you know, Jimmy, I'm glad you t came on tonight. You turned your life around and just keep doing the, the good stuff that you do. And, uh, Tommy, thanks for coming on again. You know how much I love you, Tommy. We talk every day and uh, great guy, great detective. And, and he was the, uh, he was the channel for a lot of guys, uh, cooperating and turning their lives around. So I know that, uh, that means something in life, Tommy, that was, uh, you know, I know you, you put yourself out there for a lot of people and you still do. You're always a stand up guy and you always will be. So, uh, Good work, Tommy, and Merry Christmas to everybody. Listen, Merry folks, I just want to uh, wish everyone a, a Merry Christmas. And one of the things, and uh, I want just want to say about doing these uh, YouTube podcasts, I'm sure Jimmy would agree with me. One of the very best things about doing it 
is the amazing people that you meet doing the show. And not just the guests, but the people in the chat and the people that actually almost feel like they're in your living room Absolutely. and be- become friends, you know, and it's, uh, it's very touching. And uh, I do a show t- sometimes early in the day called Coffee with Cannon. And it's really like a therapist session for me. You know, I got people from all over the world coming in and just bullshitting with me. And it's a fun time. And uh, so I, I save money on a therapist. Plus, I get to talk to all these great people. It's, so uh, it, it, really, it, it it's is, really a great thing, guys. You really, if you didn't ch- tune in, he does it in the afternoons. I got to tell you, it's really going well. Bill's doing a great job. He's getting better and better at it. And like he said, when you meet all these people, you know, somebody coming in from Germany, England, all these different places. It's, think about it. You know, it's across the world and it's it's really good. And lots of luck with a billion. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm friends with Jimmy and, and Tommy Dates. And, you know, I've never met you guys in person, either one of you. <laughs> but I feel like I know you because I've met Tommy. I've met you so many times on YouTube, right? You're a great guy. I'm sorry, I never got to work. With you. Well, we we we're gonna get we're gonna get to meet. We're gonna have dinner. We're definitely gonna have dinner together. You know, maybe we should have all four of us together. You know, that would be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun. I would love to do that. All right, that'd be great. We're gonna do it in 2022. No excuses, right? Right. So, all you folks listening in the chat and joining us tonight, thank you so much. And I want everyone to have a merry, merry Christmas, a happy and healthy New Year. And uh, we'll see you the next time. Good night now. Good night, everybody. Good everybody. Good night, Stay guys. Good. One episode, just sitting in the